Hello and welcome to the DAS Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and I'm excited for another new episode of the DAS Podcast. Every week, we provide educators who facilitate solutions in school communities. And this week, we have Miss Maisha Rounds, who is a stalwart in the industry. She has a clear passion and heart for education, and that's evidenced by her track record in the school she works with and the work that she puts in as an educator. But before we get started, I do want to let you know that now is the time to go to TreyGamers.com to subscribe to my new email list. And while you're there, you can also check out my new SEO workbook, Every Decision Counts, Eight Lessons I Wish They Taught Me in School. You can find more information on TreyGamers.com. And without further ado, Ms. Rounds, Dr. Rounds, I should say, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. I'm glad to be here and uh, uh, just honored that you made time in your schedule to talk with me. For sure. For sure. One of your colleagues down here in South Carolina um, recommended you and, and said you had some good work in Boston going on. So, um, you know, I see that you have on your LinkedIn profile, you're a turnaround principal or specialist. Can you just talk to me about what that means for a little bit? I've heard some definitions, but kind of want to hear yours as well. Absolutely. Um, and so uh, first uh, to tell you a little bit about me and like my education, my educational journey. Um, I um, uh, am a native South Carolinian um, from Chucktown or uh, Charleston, oh. South Carolina, um, and just spent most of my career um, in education in, in Charleston. Um, I did start out my first couple, couple of years of teaching in Rock Hill School District um, right after I graduated from Winston University, but um, Charleston is home and, you know, spent about 16 years teaching there before um, really feeling the passion and the, the pull um, to extend and expand my reach, you know, addressing achievement gaps and opportunity gap for underserved communities. Uh, so working as uh, uh, what we often call a turnaround principle. Um, I I hesitate to use the word turnaround more or less. I, I see myself more as a transformational leader uh, because I spoke with a, a few friends of mine. They said, "Well, turnaround kind of implies that maybe the school or the you know the educational organization is headed in the wrong direction." And that often is not the case. Um, what I have found in a lot of the schools that I've worked in is there are really great things happening, but there at the same time there are also great opportunities. Uh, within those organizations that have yet to be capitalized and really maximized uh, for ultimate student benefit. And so what I see my work um, as a, a turnaround specialist or a transformational leader is to really find those gems, those diamonds in the rough, in the rough um, in, and really kind of working to, to strengthen, to find the beauty, to, to really grow and expand um, and make even greater the things that are already there. Um, so some of the time that I've spent in some of my schools, I've really found that yeah, I've met some of the most amazing educators, most dynamic teachers, most excited, passionate, and uh, talented students. And uh, my thing has just been all about, you know, addressing the opportunity gaps that may be preventing mm. um, that greatness from being fully realized or that 
you know, things that might be hindering the, the full potential of some of our students. So I, I've been working more as a champion and as, a, as an advocate. Um, and so that's kind of how I see myself and my role um, as a turnaround leader, as a transformational leader, is to be that champion, be that voice for the voiceless and be that, um, you know, that supporter, that encourager, um, and finding the opportunities out there and, and like moving all the obstacles out of the way transforming those obstacles into opportunities. I, I love that. I love that final statement, obstacles to opportunities. That's a big one, you know, because yeah. um, that, there's a book out there also, I think, called The Obstacle is the Way. So you have to go through it regardless. So go ahead and, and tackle it and face it head on um, to make it happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's actually something that energizes me uh, is, you know, seeing what what can be seeing those possibilities uh, and looking for avenues to make those possibilities realities mm -hmm. and what really energizes me is is being able to to build on things that are already great building on a solid foundation in areas where the foundation may not be as solid being able to help prepare that foundation and make it as as uh, solid as it can be um, you know i also really am a champion for uh, creativity in education, innovation, um, and like I said, being the biggest champion, the biggest supporter of my students and of my staff. Mm -hmm. um, because ultimately, you know, it, it's teamwork that makes the dream work. I know it's kind of corny and cliched, but, you know, I really firmly believe it. No man is an island, and it really does truly take a village uh, to realize the greatness right. that, that's in, in all of us. What kind of differences have you seen in the education system from you being down here in South Carolina to up in Massachusetts, or have you been gone too long from South Carolina to really um, <laughs> kind of know? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I've been gone too long, but yeah, it's been it's been a few years. Yeah. Um, but you know, South Carolina will always be home, um, and you know, having been a student in uh, South Carolina public schools and then later a teacher and stepping into teacher leadership opportunities. Um, you know, I got to be pretty familiar with uh, the system of education um, in the South. And motherhood baptized me even deeper into that world of education. So I saw it from a whole different vantage point because my own children whose learning differences ranged from giftedness to dyslexia to anxiety, um, you know, I was able to experience the full spectrum of um, the educational system and all of its strengths, as well as all of its areas for growth. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the things that, you know, I, I did find as a strength in South Carolina is, is, you know, the, you know, there are some amazing people and educators who are always standing at the ready to support students. And there's a great network of community partners, businesses um, that are also willing to give and support our students all the way around um, and providing those wraparound supports. And so those are definite um, strengths that I see that also are paralleled here. Um, you know, up north where I am, I've, I've seen a very similar showing of support um, currently where I am um, in the Boston, Cambridge area, like the, the phenomenal uh, support of our community partners is what really keeps our schools ticking and functioning um, because the community partners are able to fill gaps that maybe school districts and 
um, educators themselves might not be able to fill. A lot of our students come to us with so many needs and we no longer are just educators. We also are social workers or counselors mm-hmm. where, you know, we're providing all these extra um, additional wraparound supports to really keep our students afloat. Um, and so that's one area of strength I've seen both down south and here up north is, you know, just the, the amount of wraparound supports. I know a lot of people complain about, um, you know, American education having all these faults. And, you know, the bottom line is there is no perfect school. There is no perfect school system. There's no perfect teacher or school leader. Um, but it's because we're all human. And in our humanity, there are imperfections. But I believe in those imperfections. That's what makes us great because it requires us to lean and depend on each other. It's that interdependence and the relationships that really make us most effective in what we do. And if we work together to really promote the needs of our students and promote their successes, um, ultimately we will find our own successes as our students um, become successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that's something I've seen in South Carolina as well as up north. And of course, there are always, you know, areas of growth. Um, looking at, you know, teacher pay and like some of the larger issues that really impact us more on a on a national uh, scale. Right. Um, those are areas that, you know, you're going to see that regardless of where you are in America, but it's just kind of how we navigate it together that really, um, really kind of determines how it impacts our students. Um, ultimately, what I've always wanted to do as an educator is teach my students um, and model for my staff that we can survive, we can thrive, we can excel, regardless of the circumstances surrounding mm-hmm. us. So even if we don't have the funding that we need, even if we don't have the materials and resources that we need, we have each other, we have ourselves, and we can be our own best resources if we learn to really draw on each other's strengths um, to work together to benefit our students. Absolutely. There's a there's a program I worked with uh, right when I came out of college. I did two sessions with them called the Civic Education Project. They're out mm-hmm. of Northwestern, but uh, they also operate at UC Berkeley and also um, Johns Hopkins. I went to Johns Hopkins and I went to Chicago for a couple of these trainings. But they take kids through asset-based community development experiences. And it talks about a lot of what you're saying, mm-hmm. essentially using the talents, tools, and resources that exist in a community and using that to create producers rather than consumers in an mm-hmm. area. So, I mean, I see here on LinkedIn, you've got a hundred community partners. Oh my goodness. Yes, that, yes. That is, that's, that's amazing. So can you, can you kind of take me deeper inside of your school, Michael J. Perkins Elementary and talk about um, some of the really unique things that you're doing or even going about these partnerships that you're having in a school community? Absolutely, I'd be happy to. Um, like I said, it, it really does take a team, and we couldn't do what we do here um, at the Michael J. Perkins School without the full support of all of our teammates, our community partners, our um, central office staff, um, our teachers, students, and our families. It really has been a full showing of support. So when I um, first came in um, to the school last summer, um, I was initially just amazed at how many community partners we already had mm-hmm. doing great work to support our students around their social emotional um, learning. Uh, we have uh, currently uh, partnerships with uh, various organizations, 
including the Tierney Learning Center, which is like right across the street from our school, and they run programs outside of our regular school day hours, um, after school, over summer breaks, winter breaks, fall breaks. Um, and they really kind of reiterate a lot of the same skills that we're teaching here at school. Uh, in addition to that, we have partnerships with like the Paraclete Center, um, which is also an after school program that focuses more on um, academic skills and, and really supporting students um, in addressing um, achievement gaps um, in, their, in their learning. Uh, we have partnerships with the Boys and Girls Club of Boston um, to really help fill uh, the, the need for our kids to move, to be healthy, physical fitness. In addition to that, one of our school, our school doesn't actually have um, a gym, um, which during the very cold winters up here can be a challenge because kids still need to get out, but you need to get moving. And the Boys and Girls Club has been absolutely amazing. They've opened up their gym to us. And so we've been able to walk our kids over and um, do indoor sports and, and like really keep uh, the kids active and moving and, and doing really uh, amazing um, collaborative and cooperative play opportunities with them at the Boys and Girls Club. Um, in addition to meeting um, those those needs that we have facilities-wise and, and, and meeting those needs that our students have in terms of um, having some place to go outside of reg the regular school day, um, we have community partners who push in their support services during the school day. So like the Paraclete Center will come in and support teachers in the classroom, supporting students and like helping teachers with small groups, uh, guided reading groups, guided math groups, um, and just being extra hands on deck. We also have a partnership with Play an amazing uh, organization, Playworks New England works closely um, with our students teaching them really safe, healthy ways to play and exploring um, different options and opportunities within there. It gives us a little bit more of a framework for structuring our recess. We have a recess team that's comprised um, of several adults who regularly support recess, as well as Playworks junior coaches, who are our students who were selected. They had to fill out applications and go through a process to be selected to serve um, as junior coaches and they become our peer leaders and they help run recess games and activities um, for younger grade levels. Um, and then we also have classroom and game time, which is also led by Playworks. So anything and all things play related and helping us create um, structured and unstructured, safe, enjoyable, social um, and play experiences for our scholars. So the kids are learning around the clock. Um, they're learning those 21st century skills. In addition to you know, reading, writing, math, science, social studies, they're really learning collaboration, cooperation, they're learning negotiation skills, and they're getting it all through play. So it's really authentic learning at its finest. Um, we've had several other volunteers who came in over the summer to really just do a lot of updates and upgrades to our facilities. We've had volunteers coming in, you know, doing everything from painting walls to cleaning the building to um, really renovating our outdoor classroom. We formulated a partnership with the Harvard Graduate School of Education. They sent out 25 volunteers to really um, do an amazing job updating our facilities to get it ready for the first day of school. Um, and we really have a lot of new partnerships that have been forming over the, the course of this school year. Uh, the Harp with Harvard being one of one of those partnerships, but really forming partnerships with our local universities to also support mm -hmm. the great teaching and learning that's happening. So it, it really has been a full showing um, of support all the way around. 
um, and then that only scratches the surface because we also do a lot with our social and emotional learning and we actually have a social emotional learning team um, made up of our out of school time partners as well as our teaching staff and community partners who work with our students in the school during the day mm. and we all come around a table every two weeks to, to really discuss our school-wide social emotional learning goals and strategic ways we're going to address the student needs we have student assessments that we've been you know bringing in um, data to really drive our planning for the course of the school year and um, really kind of tailoring our our regular curriculum to integrate those social emotional learning skills yeah. so it really is authentic learning at its finest yeah absolutely i think that's that's so important dr rounds i mean you know for I think of SEL similar to how diversity, equity, and inclusion was for me back when I was in school between 2011-15. It, it was a buzzword, but it wasn't a trend yet. And so, you know, I, I started off in college, I was studying psychology, but then I, I was looking at communication and emotional intelligence. And the deeper I got into education, I'm like, oh, that's SEL. So I've kind of reframed and restructured my podcast, my consultancy, and everything that I do to focus on SEL because I believe in building those skills so much that, you know, some say soft skills, but the pro-social skills, professional skills, communication, emotional mm -hmm. intelligence, that, that is what creates success for your child. And I'm not talking about um, the, the external success. I'm talking about intrinsically understanding your value, your worth, your identity. I think that's so important. So can, can, let's, let's dig in a yes. little more about your SEL program and what kind of framework that you use um, to implement your program. Absolutely. I'm so excited to talk about um, our SEL work. We this year have designed a, a three-tier SEL model um, to meet the needs of all of our scholars. So our first tier basically addresses the needs of the whole school um, and it's for that we use a school-wide curriculum called the second step curriculum um, and with this curriculum come we have mo monthly a monthly focus on specific skills um, as a school so ranging from empathy to skills for learning um, to problem solving uh, so this week this month actually our focus has been on problem solving and each week we break that down into discrete skills that we're working on as a school mm -hmm. so the first week of february we talked about thinking of um you know well first learning how to say the problem recognizing the problem saying the problem uh, the second week in february we started focusing on um, thinking of solutions and how to come about thinking of solutions um, another school-wide focus that we have, in addition to the second step curriculum, um, we're doing mindfulness on our tier one whole school uh, model as well. So mindfulness, we have students leading morning mindfulness every single day during the announcements. And together collectively as a school, we'll do some mindful breathing. We have students just really take pause at the beginning of their day to kind of center themselves. And by doing this every morning, we are teaching them specific strategies they can use throughout the course of their school day so that when they encounter um, you know, frustrations um, or things that might set them off, they have a bag of tricks, a, a box of resources they can pull from um, to use 
to use and help them begin to de-escalate and self-regulate. Mm -hmm. So that's at our tier one level, um, with second step and mindfulness. Um, at the tier two level, we understand that some kids are going to need a little extra um, in addition to what we're doing as a school. So we do have uh, several community partners who provide mental health services for our students and also work with our students in small groups, like social skills groups, where they get extra practice on some of these skills that we've been focusing on as a school. Um, and we focus the social skills groups on specific needs that seem to be arising throughout the course of the school year. So whether it might be conflict management or um, re resolutions and you know, coming up with you know, things that really meet the needs of our students. Um, so those partnerships are with South Bay, mental health and uh, with Wadiko Mass Start. They've been actually serving our school for many, many years and the, um, the clinicians are absolutely amazing. Um, but our students really have been gaining a lot from working in small groups and having, you know, those opportunities to have touch points with a counselor and with a peer group um, who all may be dealing with similar issues. Um, at the tier three level, so we understand that some of our students even with those touch points at tier one and tier two may require you know more individualized support and so we do offer more individualized support at the tier three level um, and that also comes um, in the form of some of our community partner supports this year we have a new partnership with home for little wanderers who provides one-on-one -on -one counseling services with our students um, as well as south bay mental health providing some of those support services and we also have our school psychologist who provides um, some support services that way as well for some of our students with IEPs. Mm -hmm. um, so we wanna make sure that everybody gets what they need. Um, and that's really the whole premise of equity um, and making sure that you know every student gets what they come to school for. They, they get what they need and that might extend beyond the traditional curriculum. Um, and so that's why we set up our social emotional learning support system with those three tiers. And so far, we've been really seeing um, very good success. Um, and we're, what we're hearing from parents is they're noticing that their scholars are using some of the same strategies they've learned at school mm. at home. Yeah. So even sharing some of these same strategies, like some of the scholars are like showing their parents. And um, so when I get upset, this is what I do. And so like some of the families will even take pause and like have a mindful moment and that kind of thing. So it really is about supporting the child and supporting the family. And by doing that, we really are supporting the community. Right. Now, when did you and or your school decide to take SEL so seriously? Is that something, I know you adopted this program recently, but has the school been using SEL practices for a while? Has that been something that you've had in your Rolodex for a while as well? Right, yeah. So it, it really was, I feel like when I came into the school, it was a match made in heaven because I really had been doing a lot of SEL work in my um, previous leadership experiences and the school itself already had um, been doing a lot of work as well with the social emotional learning and so this year we've been able to take it to the next level um, by, by you know not treating SEL as discrete and divorced from the academics in fact this year the next level for us meant explicitly integrating SEL work with the academics um, and so that's what we, our, our whole focus has been on um, looking at um, or adopting three signature practices 
that every teacher can use in their classroom every day and that every out of school time partner can use when our students leave our four walls and go to the after school programs. Um, and those three practices are welcoming rituals, engaging practices, and optimistic closures. And so at the school, when students come in, like one of our welcoming rituals is we often do handshakes. We greet students in the morning at the door, um, you know, with smiles. Uh, we have, you know, different teachers have different little welcoming rituals that they'll um, do as students come in to make them really feel loved and welcomed and known and appreciated. Um, and then the engaging practices side of it is like many of the teachers, we did some professional development around different engaging practices that are being used in different classrooms. Um, some teachers are using guided reading with centers, others are doing morning meetings and affirmation circles, some are doing brain breaks. And so we really had a cross pollination of ideas with teachers sharing with each other um, to find engaging practices that would yeah. in our four walls. And then everyone has been very intentional about having an optimistic closure to every lesson and to each school day. And as our students leave our walls and head to their out-of-school time partners, the out-of-school time partners have been doing the same thing. They're having welcoming rituals when the kids arrive. They, they use some of the same engaging practices that teachers are using at school, and then some of the same optimistic closures. Um, in addition to that, the out-of-school time partners are also using our, you know, whatever our focus skill is for the month with our second step curriculum. They are making sure that they reinforce it. Um, where they are as well. So students are hearing lessons about empathy at school and then they get to the after-school program and the after-school partners are also talking about empathy and looking for ways to encourage empathy um, in students. So everybody is literally saying the same thing. We're all on the same page, one message, one vision, um, and one voice. And the students really have been, uh, really, really seem to be benefiting from that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it sounds like you've got a lot of great things going on in a, a pretty well-oiled machine so far over there. As a turnaround school or transformative school, where is it that you're you're trying to go in the in the role you're in right now, and for your position as in a place as an educator? Um, well, it's to infinity and beyond. Uh, one <laughs> thing, one of my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite catchphrases is um, "the sky ain't the limit." Mm. Mm, wow. And so wow. what I want most for every scholar that our yes, what, what I want most for every scholar that graces our, our halls is to keep learning even after they've left our four walls. Um, we really want to cultivate a love for lifelong learning. And I feel like that's where my biggest success is. My biggest reward in education has been that my students don't even don't just learn when they're in my classroom or when they're in my school building, but they take it with them beyond and they come back years later. You know, I've gotten stories back from some of the students who I had taught um, where they're like, I remember when you were teaching me this and I didn't get it and I was frustrated. You kept telling me not to give up. And now I'm like, I'm really doing it. I'm excelling and I'm thinking about uh, whatever, you know, what those challenges were. I actually uh, had an opportunity last month to talk with one of my former students. Um, I taught her when she was in the four-year-old program um, when um, I was teaching in South Carolina. Um, and she is now in her second year of college um, in New York. And I had the opportunity to talk to her on the phone 
last month and you know she was telling me just about kind of her journey in education and you know how she was able to um, really take some of her learnings from that little four-year-old classroom and really grow from that and how it set such a foundation for her that um, you know the love of singing and the love of dancing that she had developed even as a four-year-old that's actually what she's majoring in in college now like she's she's an amazing dancer and you know she's been able to take those learnings with her um, and pursue her passion um, and ultimately that's really what I, I want most for my students um, is to hear to, to learn that they are enough that greatness is already in them and that they can really grow that greatness um, and there's nothing stopping them or preventing them from being all that they can be I love it I love it thank you yes. so much Dr. Rounds for sharing all this information with us and uh, yeah, to share your knowledge. What, if people want to hear more about what it is that you're saying right now and all the information that you have, where can they go to find you and learn more about your school? Oh, that's, that's wonderful. So actually to learn more about the Michael J. Perkins School, you can check us out. We're on Twitter um, at MJP2014. Uh, we are also on the web. Our website is www.michaeljperkinsschool.com dot org um, and then if you want to find out just more about me and all the the crazy fun things i like doing in education um, you can check out all god's children.co um, that's where i you know kind of dabble in you know everything there is education but making it fun i believe in you know taking music and movement and making it multi-sensory and incorporating literacy and the arts into it and uh, making sure that um, kids are learning and having fun at the same time. Student engagement is so important. So yeah, check me out, allgodschildren.co, um, and then find out more about the Perkins School and all the great things we're doing. The Perkins School is the home for outstanding world learners and leaders. And so we are just thrilled that you uh, had the opportunity to hear a little bit about us today. There we go. And, and you've got a, they've got such a great leader at the helm. You know, I never really realized how much in the middle that Boston was, or Massachusetts rather, was in education. I didn't realize they were the first or some of the oldest in so many of those ways. So we appreciate you bringing that knowledge and that wealth of information to us today, for sure. Absolutely. And thanks so much again for having me. No problem. Uh, thank you again for listening to us today as well for this great episode with Dr. Rounds. If you like it, share it with your friends. Let your people know that we have amazing guests on the DASH podcast who are facilitating solutions in school communities. So when you're done listening to this episode, go subscribe now on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud, and go check me out on social media as well, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and do the same for Dr. Rounds. And even if you don't, we will still see you next time because this is the DASH.